0: Hey there, I'm Heather Mulder, a former Amlaw 100 partner who, just five years into my legal career, found myself teetering on the edge of burnout. Instead of becoming yet another burnout statistic, I decided to redefine success on my own terms, enabling me to build a profitable legal practice while navigating the challenges of two kids, the 2008 financial crisis, and a battle with breast cancer. What I learned is that you can build a successful legal career without sacrificing your health or personal happiness, and I'm now on a mission to help lawyers do just that. Join me each week for practical, unfiltered advice on how to successfully navigate the challenging legal market and succeed in both life and law. This is the Life in Law Podcast. Well, hey there, it's your host, Heather Mulder, and welcome to episode number 13, how to get more clients and increase profits without burning out. So it occurs to me that I've talked a lot about what not to do when it comes to client development. Back in episode number 4, I talked about 10 client development myths that I find hold many attorneys back. And back in episode number 8, we talked about 5 common client development mistakes that a lot of attorneys make. I think it's time to stop talking about what not to do and instead talk about what to do. Don't you think? That is exactly what we're getting into today. We are going to go through my five-step process for developing business and how to do it in a way that's a little bit easier, a little more fun, doesn't feel so hard, and absolutely works. So um, we're just going to really dive right in. A thing to note before we get into it, this is the framework that I used myself. To develop my book of business it's what got me to so you may or may not have listened to episode one if you haven't you might want to go back and listen to it but in episode one i talked a little bit about how i made partner in 2008 and i made it with a book of business that i was really proud of i mean it wasn't very big but i was proud i'd worked hard for it and all of that business was gone by the end of that year so i was a corporate finance partner and that was back during the financial crisis, so I lost it all. And in 2009, I realized I had to pivot and I had to start new from scratch. This is the same blueprint that I used myself and that got me to about a million dollars within a couple of years and then eventually got me to two and a half million. I'm serious, y'all. It doesn't take a rocket scientist or a brain surgeon to build a good book of business, to make it profitable and to actually have a fulfilling practice. Because if I can do it, anybody can. I'm not special. I'm somewhat introverted, truth be told. And so I'm really excited to share this with you today because I think it's going to make your efforts a little bit easier. And don't just take my word for for this. This is the actual blueprint framework, whatever you want to call it, that I utilize with my clients, both within my mastermind and in my one-on-one work with attorneys who hire me to help them with their business building efforts. And it's worked for them too. And I think the reason it works is because it's very customized. It's a framework that we customize specifically for each individual based on your unique values and strengths. And it also really is tailored to help those of you who don't like selling. And I do find that most attorneys, (laughs) me included, don't love selling. And so it helps with that as well. It helps you to sell in a little bit more authentic way that feels good to you. Okay? Before we dive right into step one, I want to make note that you do not have to go writing anything down. I actually have it in writing already. It's called the Client Development Blueprint, and there will be a link to that in the show notes. So do go pick that up if this sounds interesting to you. Finally, If you are an associate and you are not at the level of needing to build business yet, I do recommend that you still listen to this episode because it's going to give you a better idea of what to expect and whether you even want to make partner and try to build your own book of business. My hope is that you'll hear that it's not as hard as you probably think and it gives you some ideas and the confidence to go after it and try to make partner. Also for those of you who are in house or in a government position. I actually challenge you to listen to this as well because I think a lot of the concepts I'm talking about are applicable to everyone, regardless of whether you're building business or not. So let's go ahead and get started. So step number one is to focus on your mind. Basically this is about your mindset y'all, which is probably not a shock given that I've talked about it quite a bit, right? So we've talked about mindset a number of times. And if you haven't heard the following episodes, I actually think you should go back and listen to them. You don't have to listen to them first, but maybe after you're finished here, because I think they're going to help you build the mentality that you need to be able to build a book of business. In Episode 7, we talked about mindfulness for stress prevention, and that's really about building a strong, resilient mentality. In Episode 9, we talked about how to be more productive By developing the right mindset, because productivity isn't just about doing a lot in a short amount of time, it's about doing the right things. And doing the right things is hard because it requires tough choices. It requires you to say no to people. And so you need the right mentality for that. So that's what episode nine is about. And then in episode 11, we talked about leading in uncertain times and how to face uncertainty and create a little bit of certainty for yourself during those hard, tough, uncertain times. And a lot of that has to do with having the right mentality. So I do recommend that you go back and listen to those. And I'm not going to belabor this point. Here is what I will say. Your mentality, your mindset is the foundation to building a successful book of business. Because building a book of business requires that you be consistent and resilient. Resilience is necessary because it's you're not always going to hear yes. You're going to hear no. It's going to beat up on your confidence. It's going to make you doubt yourself. And you've sometimes got to do hard things. You've got to Ask for a sale, which is never easy. You need the right mentality to be able to do that. This is what will allow you to try new things even when other people might not agree with you or might think you're a little crazy. Even when you know you might fall flat on your face, you do it anyway because you know it could be successful and you'll learn from it. It's what helps you to say no to the things that aren't going to serve you even though you might be upsetting people by saying no. And it's what helps you ask for the business, even though you know that they may not say yes. In fact, you might think they're gonna say no, but you're gonna ask anyway. So your mindset is the foundation to it all, which is why I've covered this so much before. And note, the Client Development Blueprint gives you a couple of strategies to help you get started on that. So do go download it. Another thing to note before we move on to step two, that I don't think I've adequately addressed yet Your mindset isn't a one-and-done thing. When I say it's the foundation, it's an ongoing foundational piece. So you've got to work on it consistently. Not only to cultivate a strong, resilient mindset, but to maintain it over time. Okay? So the practices that are in the blueprint and that I've recommended before have to be used regularly. They should become a regular part of your daily self-care routine so that they become natural habits. And mind you. Mindset is really about mental self-care. It's about your mental health. All right, that's enough of mindset. We've talked about it a ton before. Let's move on to step number two, and that is to create a values-based vision and values-based goals. So I've talked a lot about values. I I don't want to get too far into what values are again since we've talked about it before, but values are those principles that guide you. They are the things that kind of keep you going and they help bring purpose and meaning to your life. And so I think it's incredibly important to know what they are, to understand them, and to align the choices you're making with your values. And part of how you align your choices, your decisions with your values and your life around your values is to have a values-based vision that you're working towards. And then to create values-based goals to help get you closer to that vision. So that's what we're talking about here. So if you want to go back and review what values are, if you are not sure what they are, go back to episode, I think it was six, and I will link to it in the show notes. It talks about how to get unstuck, and we talked about values there. I believe we also talked about them a little bit in that leadership one and leading in uncertain times. And I know we talked about it very recently as well in episode 12 on how to redefine success from the inside out in a way that follows your values. So if you're not sure what your values are, obviously you need to go do that. So go listen to that. Also, if you'd like additional help, don't be shy about asking for it. You know, hire a coach. There's a lot of great coaches out there who can help you get more clarity around what your values are and how to align your life around them. Okay, so once you know your values, you know what's important to you. You want to set your big picture vision for where you want to get to. It doesn't really make sense to set goals without a clear vision. And this is why we start with vision. And I think a lot of people miss out on this, okay? So I want you to just sit down and think about where do I want my life, my practice, my business to be? What do I want it to look and feel like three to five years from now? Now I pick a three to five year period for a very particular reason. It's far enough out where it allows you to go bigger. If you're just going a year out, you're not going to be bold enough because You're going to have a lot of those doubts and thoughts creeping in saying, oh, you can't get there. But there's something that happens when we look out a little further. I like to look five years for this reason. So if you look out a little bit further, you're going to be a little more bold. You're going to go a little bit bigger. Okay? Now don't go too far. I don't like going out farther than five years because for most people that just feels unreachable and way too far out for a vision. So this is why I say three to five years. And when you're looking at the vision, I want you to look at it from a big picture perspective of your entire life, because you are an integrated being, you are not just a lawyer, you are a human, you have other interests, you have a family, you have relationships, I want you to think about everything. And I want you to think about how your practice fits into that, like what is the perfect vision for you? Now note, you may never get there, and that's okay. Your vision is very likely to change. So don't try to make this perfect or put, your, put yourself under too much pressure to come up with the perfect vision. Just go with what feels good to you right now. Alright? What feels good for where you want your life, your practice, your business to be five years from now and why? And... Relate them to your values so you know your values and you're going to want to look at that and say, okay, how what does this vision align with my values and how does that feel? This is how to ensure that you're not creating a vision based on what you think you're supposed to be doing, based on what other people expect of you, what other people may want from or of you. You want to make sure that you're truly creating a vision that is yours. That is what you absolutely want that will make you happier and more fulfilled and really lean into it and think about what will things look like how will i feel what will i be doing what will my day to day look like get as specific as you want or as you can so let me give you an example of how to do this three of my values are to connect to serve and my family family first in fact family is my number one value so back when i had made partner and I knew that I needed to create my business, I started to envision where I wanted to be five years from then. And I knew that I wanted to have at least a million dollar book of business. And I got really specific about the kind of clients I wanted to have. Because again, family comes first for me. And although I wanted a nice, big, robust, good practice, I did not want the kind of clients that were always infringing upon my time. I wanted them to respect my time, value me as not just their lawyer, but as a friend and a person. And so I kind of envision having deeper connections with my clients, being friends with them, and being able to if I said I need to be you know I'm going to be off this week I have other people taking care of you they respected that which meant they didn't reach out to me and expect me to be the one to always do everything for them they relied on my team so I envisioned having a team having a big enough book of business not a big team But maybe having like one paralegal, an associate or two, and having just a nice independent integrated practice of my own where I got the help I needed that could take some time off if I needed had clients that respected that and also had clients that did not call me when you know and claim there was an emergency when it wasn't a true emergency didn't create false emergencies we all know there are clients who do that right and I was very particular about not wanting that kind of client and then also people who actually came to me with issues as they occurred and didn't allow them to build up so that they became emergencies I didn't want that either so I really got very clear and very specific about what I wanted my business to look like, not just from a size perspective, but the qualities and traits that I needed my clients to have so that I could build the kind of business I wanted. And then also, of course, I envisioned the rest of my life, right? What, How active I was in my kids' lives, what I wanted that to look like. All of that aligned with my family wanting to connect, I wanted to be friends with my clients, and service because I did value service and I wanted to serve both my family and my clients equally. So hopefully that gives you a better understanding of how to start creating a bigger picture vision that you will work towards using your values. So once you have that, you want to set your goals. So your vision is your three to five year vision for where you want your practice to be at that point. Your goals are... The first step or that next step that you need to take to help you get closer to your vision. A goal might be uh, wanting to get to 500,000 in originations the first year. And then the second year, I might want to finally get to a million. And that's actually what I did. I don't think I met it the first year, but I did meet the second one, (laughs) the second year. And so that is an example of an actual goal, right? I wanted to get to that, but then... I also had my bigger picture vision, which made it more clear as to the action steps I needed to take to help me get it. Because here's what that meant, right? I had a very specific goal, and that's something to, to note. I want your goals to be SMART. You've probably all heard about SMART goals. That's specific, measurable, actionable, realistic, and timely. I had that. A million dollar book of business, very specific, very measurable. It was actionable because I I could come up with steps that I could take to help me grow my business to get there. It was realistic by the time I set the million dollar guideline and it was timely. So. I want you to make sure you start with that, but then you need to run them through your values. And here's what I mean by that you want to make sure that your end result aligns with your values, right? That it's still values based, and that also the actions you think you might need to take in order to achieve that goal align with the values. So if you notice, a million dollar book of business isn't the easiest thing to do, right? And so I knew when I said it that it meant, especially since the year before I hadn't quite met the first goal, I knew when I said it, it meant possibly working more. And with family being one of my biggest values, what does that mean, right? It meant that I could potentially run afoul of my value by working myself way too much. Now, that did not necessarily mean I had to give up on my goal. What it did mean is I had to ensure that the steps I took to get there were realistic, um, that I set boundaries for myself and standards for myself that I did not cross on my way to achieving my goal. And so it was this is what I mean by running them through your values. Okay. So let me give you another example of why this is so important. Oftentimes people come to me with too many goals. I never want you to have more than three goals at a time. I think I've talked about this before. I certainly have talked about never having like three more than three priorities at a time. Same thing goes with goals because your goals are your main priorities for a given year or time period until you achieve them. And if you have too many goals, you're never going to get them done. You're not going to actually succeed in any of them because your time is going to be all over the place trying to do too many things. And so you want to narrow them down. So I had a client who came to me with five goals and I told him, nope, we got to narrow this down. And one of the ways to narrow them down when you have too many things that you're thinking you want to get done is to run them through your values. So what we did is we looked at his values and we ranked each one as what values does each goal align to and how aligned are they. And not only with the end result, but also the action steps that he kind of generally thought, we didn't get too specific, and you don't have to get too specific here. But, you know, you can think through, okay, what are the types of things I'm going to need to do in order to achieve this goal, and how does that align or potentially conflict with my big values, and what kinds of steps, you know, do I need to think about taking or boundaries or standards do I need to put into place when it comes to that. That can help you narrow down very quickly what you really want. You know what your actual priorities what your goals are for that year now it doesn't mean that the other quote unquote goals you came up with just go away but they kind of get on the back burner until you achieve the goals you've already set you don't move on to those so note that this is all still very future oriented right we've created our vision we've created our goals we really haven't gotten into the how how do we do it what are the steps that we take And that brings us to step number three. So once you have your vision and your specific goals, you want to create your strategy. And this is where I think lawyers fall down the most. This is what I see. Is we end up taking a lot of actions, which I consider tactics, without first setting a very clear strategy as to what our main strategies are and why we want them. And this is what I want you to do here. So first, let's differentiate between what a tactic and a strategy is. So your strategy is your big picture how for building your business. A strategy might be speaking, it might be writing, it might be networking, right? And you can go a little more detailed than that. In fact, I recommend that you do. So are you going to speak at associations and conferences? Or are you going to speak at client-sponsored events? Or are you going to network at specific, you know, types of events like a chamber of commerce or within specific associations and organizations that are frequented by your clients and and potential clients? Or are you going to primarily target referral networking? Are you going to write for bar publications? This very much depends on the type of practice you have. Or would it be better for you to write for business publications? That's what I'm talking about when I talk about strategy. Tactics are the specific actions you take to employ the strategies that you've chosen. So, you know, once you've picked your strategy, when you're looking at your tactics, that would be, I want to write in, you know, I'm going to submit three article proposals per quarter, right? And then you have to take the actions. Well, those are your tactics. Okay, a quick note before we move on. I noticed that a lot of us have strategy-based goals, So for example, a goal to speak 10 times, that's a strategy-based goal as opposed to setting revenue or origination goals when it comes to business development. I would request or challenge you to get away from doing that because here's what I find, okay? The best way to measure your results is really through your revenue, your originations, a, a monetary goal, it's through your numbers. And that's why I want you to set your major business development goal that way. Now, most of us don't do that because fear. We get scared of the numbers. And it's not really the numbers that scare us. It's the fear around what you might have to do to get there because, gasp, you're going to have to ask people for business. And even bigger, the fear of failure. The fear of setting a revenue-based goal and not making it. The truth is, you're never going to meet your number. You're never going to actually grow the business to where you want it to be if you don't set your goal as that number or whatever number it needs to be each given year to get you to where you ultimately want to go. I see a lot of people who have that number in their big picture vision, but they don't set their goals that way. And so I want you to stop doing that. You are never going to get there. You're allowing your fear to control you when you're doing that. And I promise you, it actually makes things easier when you set it as a number. Not only is it going to uncover the fears that you have, which will allow you to face those fears and overcome them, but it provides a clear guidepost to measure against, something that you can clearly track, and it makes it much easier as you go. It's going to give you more motivation also to do what's necessary to bring in the business by doing that, okay? All right, so... When it comes to setting your strategy, I want you to leverage your strengths. Think about what do I enjoy doing that I'm good at. And you're going to do more of that. So if you enjoy writing, writing should probably be considered as a strategy. If like me, you enjoy teaching and speaking, then you should speak more often. So you want to leverage your strengths and when determining what you wanna do, you wanna brainstorm, like just dump everything out of your brain to come up with it. I like to do the following. I have a specific form that I have my clients fill out that asks them to just brain dump all of the following, like your professional associations, any networking events, conferences, other opportunities, like places you could go, things you could attend, where you or your clients already go or potential clients would be. Even think about charitable um, and board positions, like what what are you doing that might have contacts within it that could give you business or have referrals to people who would give you business. Um, Journals, publications, and don't just think about bar journals and legal publications. In fact, I would actually encourage you, unless you are always targeting fellow lawyers as clients, to really start thinking outside the box on that one. I think it's easier actually to write for business publications because they don't require as um, large of an article. A lot of them are like five to eight hundred, maybe a thousand words max. So That's a lot easier to do. So start brainstorming that if writing is one of your things. Then also think about your current clients and why you like them and how you got them because that's going to give you some ideas. And that's also going to help you strengthen that vision of yours about what kind of clients you do and do not want. Okay, you're gonna think about um, speaking opportunities. A lot of the stuff I've already mentioned are places to speak, but think also, where else could I speak? Just make sure it's relevant to what you do and where your potential clients might be hanging out. And then you're finally gonna start brainstorming contacts. You're gonna think about current clients, former clients, um, colleagues, friends, referral sources, people you know that you would like to be clients, and you're gonna start making a list of them. And when you're looking at them, you're gonna wanna rate them from one to five. And you're gonna rate them on two things. Number one, how good of a contact are they? And by how good, I mean, are they relevant to what you do, right? Do they have, are they um, at a place of, business that you actually want to work for that would be relevant to you or are they not or maybe they're not but maybe they have people they know right that they could refer to you so that's the viability piece and then are they willing how willing are they to send you work or maybe you refer you to somebody okay so rate them from a one to five one being not at all five being oh yes and then once you do that it's going to clearly tell you who you really should start with note You're not just looking at, uh, I want to make this clear, you're not just looking at potential clients, you're looking at people who could refer work. You're looking at colleagues who could refer work, whether they be in your firm or outside of your firm. You're also looking at in-firm colleagues that you might want to partner with to cross sell, okay? So rate them and then it's going to show you who you want to start targeting. So doing this brainstorming exercise really helps to clarify what your strategies should be. Here's the thing. You can only do so much. Okay? So my way of doing things, and what I recommend you do, is that you keep things super simple. Which means do not pick a bunch of strategies. You really should just have two. I recommend two three tops. And some of this might depend upon what your strategies are and how much work is involved and how much time you have. So if you are a young partner with zero book of business and you've just decided to go all in and you're not going to bill as much this year, but you're going to build your business, maybe you pick three strategies. You know, Maybe you have more time for it, but most of us don't. So I recommend two for most people. And One of them has to be some form of networking. (laughs) I'm sorry to say, I know we don't love networking, a lot of us, but it's got to be. And then the other one needs to be whatever else that really just jumps out as you as an obvious, yes, this is utilizing my strength. I would enjoy doing this. I'd be good at this. And here's how I'm going to do it. Okay, so it can be speaking, it can be writing, it can be other things as well, like affiliations. I had a client in my mastermind last year who's a bankruptcy attorney, and she realized that one of her strategies should be affiliations with accountants and tax people because she worked with certain of them over and over again, and they sometimes they got word of new cases before she did and vice versa. And so she was able to reach out and build affiliate partnerships with them for work. When I talk about networking, let's go into that really quickly because I know a lot of you, especially those of you who self-identify as introverts, don't love networking. There are a lot of ways to network. You could network by referral sourcing, like just identifying through your contacts the people who could and would be willing to refer you and start networking with them more. You already know them. That's a little bit easier, right? You could network internally to cross sell You could become more active in one or two specific associations that potential clients are members of and become more active there and just network through that. So networking isn't just about going to big events. There's so many ways. So pick what makes sense for you based on your personality and what you enjoy doing and go from there. All right, we've gone through the first three steps. Step four is to finalize your tactics and be intentional. <laughs> and this, y'all, is all about taking consistent action. Client development and building a book of business is really just about being consistent and simple strategies. And so, this is why I want you to just pick two and then get it into your calendar and stay consistent in your efforts. Okay. So, you should have daily or weekly things that you do, and monthly things, and possibly quarterly things. So, You know, from a big picture perspective, quarterly, I like, you know, maybe schedule two hours every quarter to go through and look back on your quarter and measure your progress, see where you are, tweak things, and figure out what you want to do the next quarter. This is where you do a bigger picture review and you decide what is and is not working and what do I want to continue with, what may I want to change, etc. And then you may want to do that on a monthly basis as well some people do some people don't that's up to you but maybe have a monthly thing or if you're going to write or do speaking then monthly you may have a larger chunk of time where you need to devote to reach out to people or to build your outline on topics or you know whatever it is or to write an article right now what i would say about that too is be sure you get help a lot of you if you're in a bigger or mid-sized firm and you've got marketing folks or you've got assistance Get help from people to help you with these things. Don't do it all on your own. But some of it does have to be on on you, right? So be sure you schedule time in your calendar for these bigger things. And then when it comes to your weekly or daily activities, make sure you have time set aside in your schedule for those things or you're never going to do them. This is important. You need to do these things. And you know it. So put it in your calendar and just do it. Now, you could do weekly or daily. So, for example, and a lot of the weekly, daily, if you're trying to figure out, well, what would I be doing? That's networking and follow up. And follow up is part of networking, right? So let's say you went to an event and you met somebody, you want to reach out to them within a few days via email and say it was great meeting you, love talking to you about whatever, right? You want to get them down somewhere, maybe have a spreadsheet of the people that you're targeting, that you want to follow up with on a regular basis. So at least weekly, you should have some time set aside for this type of follow up activity. And follow-up activity can be a lot of different things. It can mean sending a follow-up email. It can mean picking up the phone and talking to somebody. It can mean sending um, an article in an email to someone based on a conversation you had. Maybe you had a conversation with somebody a month ago and you just saw an article on that very topic. Well. That would be a great thing to send to that person. So you need time every week or every day that allows you to do these types of things. Okay? And I always like doing this on a weekly basis. And I still do this in my current business. So I have one hour per week where I have follow-up. And I have a spreadsheet of the people that I've reached out to, what dates I reach out to them, and generally what I reached out to them for. You're not reaching out to the same people every week, right? That would be overkill. But you want to at least reach out to your top targets once a month. And so that's why every week you have some time set aside. So I have that hour and I did this as a lawyer and I do this now in my current business. I have another client who does it daily. She has 15 minutes set aside every day, same time every day, where she does her follow-up. And she found it very easy to keep up with it when it was just 15 minutes per day. And no matter how busy she is, she found she can do that. Okay, so set aside time in your, in your calendar for your tactics, for the action items that you need to do to fulfill your strategy and follow it. Okay, the other thing I'm going to say before I move on to the last step is I want to talk a little bit about social media because I have a pet peeve to pick with most lawyers when it comes to how we deal with social media. Most attorneys don't do social media either at all or very well. And I'm sure you've seen this. Uh, My feed is filled because most of my contacts are lawyers. My feed is filled with all this, oh, congratulate so and so from our firm for this award. Or you know, it's a lot of self-promotional kind of stuff. Self-promotional in the sense that a lot of times people don't necessarily promote the awards they've won, but they're always promoting the awards that their colleagues have won. So they're promoting the firm. Right? And that's really all I see. Um, occasionally we'll see a news flash or a bulletin about you know a legal thing, which is fine, but oftentimes those aren't very helpful either because they're just kind of regurgitating what the law says with not a lot of analysis. I say don't don't do that like stop doing all of that or at least do less of it. Start spending more time actually providing value to people. I want you to follow the 80/20 rule. So in the online world, we talk a lot about how we should be 80% of the time, what we put out on social media, should be content that's aimed to help people. Now, mind you, because it's content that's aimed to help within our area of expertise, it's setting yourself up as an expert, but at the same time, it's not overly promotional. It is promoting you in a very different way. And the 20%, so there's that's the 80% of it is is content to help, 20% of it is self-promotional or sales-oriented, okay? So try to get closer to that. And I say this because it should be one of your tactics, and it doesn't necessarily have to be you. It can be an assistant. It can be your marketing. It can be, you know, whatever. Although I do think you should post at least once a week on LinkedIn. And the types of things you would be posting are any articles you write you want to get out there. Yeah, you might think that's self-promotional, but that's actually content that's aimed at helping people. So that counts in that 80% portion. Or write a post once a week that just you know talks about here are three things I'm seeing in the industry to be on the lookout for. Or here's a question you should be asking yourself. Pay attention to the types of things that you're hearing from your clients and you're helping them with and think about what you could put out there that's not giving legal advice but that's still helping people because there's a lot of ways to do that. And one final thing before I move on around social media. Yes, I recommend you post once a week and I'd love to see that post as a short form post much like I just described but that's not the only thing you need to post okay and it's it's not the only thing you have to post. You also want to post articles of interest to your potential clients and to your clients and they don't just have to be articles that are written by you in fact if writing is not your thing then they're never going to be articles that are written by you but you can post articles. That your colleagues write within your firm you can post articles that you read generally that would be applicable to your clients and fyi they don't always have to be about the law or about what you do so long as they're relevant to the issues that your clients are worried about and they're aimed at helping them the one thing i would say is whenever you share an article be it written by you someone within your firm or somebody else entirely you always want to post a sentence or two about what it is that you find interesting or helpful out of the article. Point people to why they should read it. That is establishing your expertise and trust right there. So I'm off my soapbox with with the, the social media and that really pushes us into step five. I've already started talking about this while I'm talking about the social media aspect. but Step five is to sell by serving. I think I mentioned earlier that a lot of attorneys don't like selling. I find this over and over again. It's at least in the clients that come to me. Now, not all of them have this issue, but a lot of them don't like selling. They don't like asking for the sale. They feel like it's awkward and it just, it feels wrong to them. And unfortunately, you've got to learn to sell if you're going to build a book of business. It's just necessary, right? I mean, yeah, occasionally we get lucky and people come to us. But if you want to build a robust book of business, certainly if you ever want to get up to and over the 1 million mark, you got to learn to ask for the business. So again, this is part of why we talk about the mindset being the foundational piece. But a way around this is to sell by service. And when I say service, I'm talking about servant leadership. Because when you go at it from a service-based perspective, it makes it a lot easier to sell. And really what I mean by this is everything should be looked at through the lens of how can I serve my clients, my prospective clients, and the people I'm talking to at networking events, the people who are reading my posts on social media, like every single from every aspect, how can I serve them to the best of my ability in what I'm doing and when I'm talking to them, and when I'm posting something, right? When you come at it from this mentality, it makes it a lot easier because you're really just doing it wanting to help them. And if you come at it from this mentality, you're going to A, get a lot more info from them. So you're gonna get a better idea of what it is they need and want. You're gonna get a better idea of how to approach them. And it's going to make selling and asking to help them much more natural and organic. Okay, so I've already talked about this from a social media standpoint, right? I mean, let's recap that. If you're following the 80-20 rule, then that 80% is how can you serve? How can you help? What can you put out there that people would find useful? When it comes to networking, this is where this really comes into play the most, okay? This sell by serving. Instead of asking about the weather or all the general BS questions we often ask at these events because we don't know what to ask, become a coach. Start asking, you know, what are their struggles? What are they struggling with right now? And listen. Don't do much talking, just listen. And as they talk to you, ask more questions, dig deeper. Let them do 80% of the talking. This is another way to use the 80-20 rule. And then eventually you're gonna find people who are with you know perfect clients and you're going to ask enough questions that you're going to be able to give them a tip or advice or something to look out for now i'm not saying you have to give away everything or that you have to give a bunch of legal advice but you can give something for free some type of value so perhaps you can give them advice about a mistake that you often see people make and that they can easily guard against right And give them a tip about that or you can let's say that um you're a corporate attorney and you're talking to somebody at an event and they talk about a potential acquisition that's coming up. And you, you say, you know what, I do this a lot. Here are three top questions you should be asking. This is the type of advice I'm talking about. When you come at it though from this perspective, so you're serving, you're serving them, you're helping them, this is why the sale becomes more obvious because it becomes much more natural and organic. They get a lot of value, they like you, and they ask how you can help. Or it becomes more natural for you to then say, you know, I do this for a living. If you'd like to talk more about this, we can set up a time to talk. That's a way to naturally lead into the sale. What we're really doing is developing the know, like, and trust factor here. When you are serving them in this way, you're developing a real relationship with them. And know, like, and trust is what you need to sell to people. They need to know you. They need to understand who you are, what you do, how you can help them. They need to like you by serving them and always aiming to help them. They will. They want. To, they need to trust you. You are creating more trust by serving them and also you're showing your level of expertise. Right? Know, like, trust. You get that, you are much more likely to make a sale, and you're going to actually develop a closer relationship so that you are going to feel okay about asking for the sale. Okay, so those are my five steps. I hope that this helped you. I would recommend that you download the Client Development Blueprint. It's got all five of these steps in there, and also there are other examples to help you out on, uh, and they may... Give you some ideas on how you can apply this to your practice but i would say this if you would like help with building your book of business we should probably chat i work both one-on-one with clients and also i hold masterminds that are specifically for private practice attorneys that want to up level their business i am actually currently taking applications for my mastermind that's going to begin this summer so if you would like to build a more profitable business that's sustainable. It might be for you. If that is interesting to you, I invite you to check it out. I will provide a link in the, um, in the show notes for you. And if you're like, well, what is a mastermind, Heather? Well, you're in luck because I'm going to be actually talking about masterminds and the power of masterminds in a couple of episodes. So be on the lookout for that. Now note one thing, the mastermind is only for partners, shareholders, and of counsel. So if you're an associate, the mastermind is not yet open to you, but I do work one-on-one with senior associates on building their book of business as well. So you can reach out to me if that's something of interest to you. So I hope you got a lot out of this today, and I hope that this really challenges you to rethink how to build your book of business and to really put more efforts into business building. Because the thing is, y'all, if you are a private practice attorney, the best way to control your life, to have a more balanced life, is to build your own practice, your own way. And so I would challenge you to do just that. One last thing before we go, If you are enjoying this podcast, I have a request. Please consider giving me a review. It will help me reach and be found by more attorneys, and I would greatly appreciate it. And yes, a rating is helpful, but a review is even better where you put words down and let me know what you think. So I would appreciate that. Also, if you have any questions for me, or if you would like... Uh, some topics that you know covered on the life and law podcast that you haven't heard yet or something that you have heard a little bit about but you'd like me to go more in depth I invite you to fill out my survey so that you can let me know what you would like to hear more about there will be a link to the survey in the show notes as well that's it for today bye for now Thank you for listening to the Life & Law Podcast. If you enjoyed this week's episode and aren't yet a subscriber, be sure to hit the subscribe button so that you don't miss an episode. For show notes and free resources to help you succeed in both Life & Law, including the Life & Law Roadmap, visit lifeandlawpodcast.com.